This is Back from the Brink. This is September 16th, 2020. The lockdown that never ends. The COVID that never ends. The burning Western country that never ends. You name it, 2020 has thrown it at us. And we keep on trucking as best we can because what else can we do? So as we left the KCAA radio show, that's KCAA 1050 AM, 106.5 and 102.3 FM in the Inland Empire. Uh, We were talking a little bit about uh, Apple's announcements yesterday. Um, I watched the announcements, and if you're interested in a conversation about them, you can check out the podcast uh, Generation Tech that I do with my dad. Uh, So um, you want to check with that. He's a retired electrical engineer who's been around tech for most of his adult life, as, as have I. And uh, so we we talk a little bit about what we thought there, but we're going to cover a little bit today here as well. Um, Apple announced both uh, a new watches, an Apple Watch 6 and an Apple Watch SE. The SE basically sits in the middle of the line. They're still going to sell the Apple Watch 3 for $199. The Apple Watch SE will be $299, and the Apple Watch 6 will be $399, but it that's where they start. If you get the bigger size or the one that has uh, uh, connections to the cell towers directly, so you can use it when your phone is not present, uh, then they all go up $100, $130, I think. Excuse me, is the upgrade or the differential cost. And I think they go up about 50 bucks, depending on if you want the smaller size or the larger size for each of those different watches. So, um, but anyway, there's several of them. The six basically adds an always-on altimeter, so you can see, you know, how high above sea level you are, and a um, uh, blood ox or uh, measurement, so they can check the oxygen content of your blood, and, and which is a thing that a lot of people do with a little clip on their fingertip, uh, especially measured if you have uh, breathing difficulties, asthma, COPD, emphysema, things like that. They want to make sure that you're getting enough oxygen in your bloodstream. And if not, then they may have put you on supplemental oxygen breathing uh, in order to, uh, they want you in a high oxygen environment to get enough oxygen in your blood so that your body can be healthy. Because if you don't have, if it's restricted the amount of oxygen over a long period of time, that can be incredibly unhealthy. As an athlete, that's something that some people like to measure, especially if you do uh, altitude type of things. So the two kind of go hand in hand, being able to measure altitude continuously. Now, watches the apple watches and i can't tell you which version it was but they've had an altimeter in them for quite some time it may have been the very first one they even had an altimeter but it isn't always on it's like check it and then shut it back off it's designed that way so that it doesn't stay on all the time and suck battery life uh and so the apple watch 6 will allow that um to be on all the time but if you're interested in it and you've got a watch right now there are uh, apps that are available that will give you a complication on the watch face that'll tell you your altitude and they will be updated incrementally just not constantly so uh it's worth looking into i did a little research yesterday and there's a couple uh, out there one called my altitude another called altimeter watch and then the one that i like the most is called up high Uh, and up high gives you your altitude um, and and tells you what your horizontal and vertical uh, accuracy are uh, based on your GPS and your uh, uh, 
barometric pressure. And then you can also turn on live barometric pressure monitoring, um, but that won't show up as a complication on your watch. It's an app that loads onto your phone and also puts a complication onto the watch uh, or an app on the watch so that you can measure that stuff directly from the watch, which is kind of cool. Um, here's Aaron. Hey there. Hi. Welcome, welcome. I was talking about some of the things that were in the Apple Watch 6. Um, there are two basic things that, that were announced yesterday in the Apple Watch 6 as upgrades over the Apple Watch 5. And one, well, three, I guess. One is that, that when, the, when the watch dims its screen, because the, with the Apple Watch 5, your screen didn't go blank anymore. It was always on, but it was dim when you didn't watch or when you weren't you know, like lifting your hand up to look at it. And now it'll, it's like twice as bright while it's dim. Does that make sense? So, but wouldn't that kill battery life? Well, apparently they said the battery life is the same, so they found a way to use that energy uh, more efficiently. Um, although, frankly, the fact that, I mean, I've got a, a 5 that I look at, and if I could make my battery life live longer by telling it don't be twice as bright, just stay the way the 5 was, and then give me another, you know, two hours of battery life or whatever, I would take that personally. But, um, you know, I don't know if that's an option. We'll find out when people start talking about having the watch on hand. Um, which will be Friday, by the way. You can order them now, but they should be available on Friday. Um, the other thing is that it has an always-on altimeter, and there's been an altimeter in Apple Watches for a long time, but it was a a, a check and shut back off fun function, so it didn't stay on continuously, um, which is not that big a deal for most people, but I suppose if you are somebody who does a lot of mountaineering or climbing in, in altitude, you want to be able to check and see exactly what it is right now without having to tap and have it check for you um so that you know there might be some value that kind of goes hand in hand with the other feature that it has which is um um the ability to uh check your uh blood oxygen so you know in addition to people who have breathing issues like asthma and copd people who do uh, mountaineering want to check their blood oxygen because if you're not getting enough blood oxygen then, uh, you know, when you're at you're altitude, exactly, that can be dangerous. <laughs> and so, so the altitude and the blood ox thing kind of go hand in hand, I guess. And if they figured out a way to do that without draining your battery relentlessly, uh, then, uh, now one of the things that will come to the Apple watch that, uh, will come with the upgrade to the software to, when they make it available today. And I checked as we transitioned to, uh, this, to the podcast from the radio show, it is not available yet, probably around 10 o'clock. Um, although sometimes later, sometimes earlier, we'll see. Um, but the updates are not available. But the other thing that will come with the operating system update, which will be available to all of us, will be a couple things. One is the ability to, it, it will sense and use its uh, microphone. The watch will use its microphone uh, for the correct sound and the correct motion to see. And it, it'll tell you when you're washing your hands, it'll automatically start a 20-second timer and it'll buzz or, or vibrate to tell you that you've gone long enough. Uh, which is kind of cool for those of us who, who rinse, shake, and go. It, it will be, uh, uh, hey, wait a minute, stay there, wash a little longer, keep a little bit more water running over your hands, and uh, just, you know, extend that time you're washing your hands a little bit to make sure you get at least 20 seconds. And for those, you know, doctors in the crowd that scrub every crevice, this will tell you that you've gone plenty. So save a little water. So, you know, it'll give you that 20 seconds, which is sort of the standard of what they say they should be able to wash uh, you know, how long you're supposed to wash. And that'll be in watch OS, uh, six, watch OS seven. I don't remember. So I, I lose track of numbers. Is, 
Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, you, sa- you sound very distant right now. I do? Yeah, you sound like you're off mic. Ah, there better? we go. Yes, hundred percent better. better. Yeah, hundred percent better. Hold up. All right, is that better? Yeah. Okay. That's weird. Okay, so, um, uh. So what I is there is there a satellite hookup or is there a satellite function that comes with the Apple Watch? So uh, no. We talked about mountaineering. Yeah, no. There's no. Um, uh, well, I mean, there is in sense that it it gets GPS information from the satellite. So with the GPS information, topographical information, they can also kind of guess at what your altitude is. They use a combination of the barometer in the uh, in the watch and your GPS location to get you your altitude. Um, also, time of flight between the devices um something that they mentioned on the sc- or they showed on the screen but didn't mention at all but several people pointed out is that this watch will be the first one that has their u1 watt uh chip in it which is an ultra wideband which allows you to do pinpoint directional uh location and apple has been long rumored to create a um a little identifier tags very much like the the little tile things that are out there for purchase and Tile just works off of Bluetooth. This ultra-wideband will make that much more accurate. Uh, and if it's built into the operating system, it will also make it uh, ubiquitous. Everybody who has a phone will be able to, in the background, relay location information of Apple tags, assuming that's what they call them, uh, wherever they happen to be. So you could be 100 miles away, and the wallet that has your tag in it Somebody could walk by it, and their phone will recognize that it's there and put it out to the world that, hey, you know, tag number what XYZ is at this location, and you'll get notified, but nobody else will. It'll just happen in the background. So it creates this giant network of, of uh, devices that will, will uh, be able to find stuff. And that's still a rumored application, but Apple seems to be putting these U1 chips in a lot of things and haven't really told us why so so uh we'll see they so might, I, I they guess might what I was, you know if uh-huh. you're in the back country yeah if you're in the hiking in the back country um or mountaineering in the back country will your 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 watch be able to know where you are and will you be able to know where you are um using the watch you will be able to know where you are based on the gps location yes it has a gps radio built in it so it will be able to tell you where you are what you won't be able to do is communicate via satellite to somebody else it's not a satellite phone or satellite device it's still a cellular device for communication but it has gps built into it cool yeah and it's had gps built into it for uh if not the very first one, the very second one. I mean, it's been that way for six, five or six years. I, I, I don't have one. I have a smart Fitbit. Right. So um, I don't have an, uh, an Apple Watch. Um, yeah. So I did not know that. Yeah. Well, but depending on which version of Fitbit you have, they have almost the same um, functionality. In fact, the top of the line Fitbit was just approved for e- ECG built-in functions uh this week and so now they even they match that so that I mean you know you know how these things go they match each other feature for feature you know one guy will leapfrog the other or come out with something that the next guy doesn't have 
and then they'll add it in, uh, you know, in whatever fashion works for their particular device. So it's like phones and like, like a lot of technology, you know, somebody has a good idea, everybody else jumps on the bandwagon, you only have a lead for a short period of time. So anyway, the other thing that was announced was iPads. They upgraded the standard iPad, the now on, they're now on Series 8 iPads. Um, and that one was essentially a speed bump, new processor, runs faster. Um, it is still uh, two generations, or no, it's no longer two generations behind the rest of the iPads. It's now running on the A12 uh, chip, which the iPad Pros run on the A12Z uh, chip now, which is, the Z is significantly bumped up from the standard A12 chip, uh, which is what was in the iPhone 11S, no, uh, 10S, previous generation of iPhones. And then they introduced an uh, iPad uh, Air that looks like the iPad Pros with the flat slab sides. Doesn't have photo ID but has a touch sensor built into the power switch so it doesn't have a button at the bottom anymore either it's built into the power switch now which a lot of people are thinking might come out in the phone so that you'll have not only um, face ID but touch ID built into the power button so that way you can use either and or both so when you're at the grocery store and trying to use Apple Pay you don't have to take your mask off to get the dumb face ID to work um so that would be an interesting uh, thing where they provide two different ways indeed, to verify and, and probably then also increase accuracy because now they've got, you could, you could set the, you know, you could conceivably set it up to say, I will take either or I will require both if I really want to be absolutely certain that it's me using that device. Um, and that new uh, iPad Air has an A14 chip, which is the first device to have that. Usually the phones are the ones that introduce new chips. The A14 is new to 2020, and so that Air is now the most powerful uh, iPad that you can get. Uh, presumably, they'll do some. I'm sure they'll do some speed testing because, again, the A12Z, which is what's in the iPad Pros, is significantly more powerful than the A12. So the A12Z might be on par with or faster than the A14 by itself. And mind you, the A13, which is what's in our current iPhone 11 series phones and the iPhone SE, has not been put into any iPads. They skipped the 13 series chips and went straight to the 14 for the uh, iPad Air. So, um, yeah, lots of numbers there that probably don't mean a whole lot to everybody else. The bottom line is is that any of these devices are going to be sufficient and 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 uh, and faster than most laptops for most people uh, if they work for you. But you also have to realize that they don't come with a keyboard. You have to pay extra if you want a keyboard. Uh, and if you're in a you know, if you're going to use them in a in a feature or in a manner that requires a keyboard, then you probably want a laptop. An, an iPad isn't the right device for you. You know, they've got keyboards that are available, and they're great as an additional input device. But if your primary input device has to be a keyboard, if you're a writer or uh, or do a lot of writing, um, a real keyboard is is the way to go, and an attached keyboard it, is probably the way to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. I, that makes sense. Yeah, I know you in the last year bought a new laptop and decided that that was, you know, because we talked about it. You and I had talked about the idea of possibly going with an iPad instead of the uh, laptop. But, you know, you do a lot of grant writing and and so you're spending a lot of keyboard time. And I think you made the right choice. You know, um, plus you got a really good deal on one on sale. So um, I think typing, 
you know, anybody who's going to spend a lot of keyboard time, um, the clamshell design just works better, especially if you want to do it like, I mean, on a desk, it's okay, but on a lap, it's, it's, you know, trying to use one of these like foldable, uh, origami type keyboards on a lap with an iPad is not, not conducive to getting good work done a lot of times, I think. No, you know, and I bought a lap desk, a nice one. I can prop mm-hmm. up my phone, and there's there's space to to like have a little uh, like a little piece of paper or something mm-hmm. that next to me, and and uh, and it fits my laptop just fine. And and that's that's a nice setup if I'm just sitting on the couch. And yeah. Working. You know, I, I am I am very happy with my MacBook Air. Um, I just wish that it had the processor to to be able to use the Zoom backgrounds, and it yeah. doesn't. But that's that's a cosmetic thing. Yeah. You know that's not that's not mission critical as much as I would like it. You know to have the pretty backgrounds. On, yeah, it's a nicety, but it's not it. a necess- necessity. Exactly. Right. I can do it on my phone, and and so you know have mm-hmm. the nice background on my phone. I I I don't need it on my laptop yeah. as much as I want it. Which is interesting to say, you know, because the, the your laptop has an Intel processor, and your phone clearly has the Apple A chip in it. Um, the new uh, laptops that Apple will, is supposed to start shipping before the end of the year will have the A series chips in it. So even their basic uh, machines presumably will now have enough horsepower because uh, they'll have horsepower similar to the phone to be able to do all of those type of things. So well, clearly be, that must be the reason why I got such a good deal on it. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and it, it was, you know, I mean, you, you, you know, you, you did the smart thing that a lot of people don't think about but you you know you you bought a a machine that was not the newest machine that was being sold by apple at that point in time it was a new machine it was brand new but it was an older model so it had been discounted and then all of the apple lines had been discounted a little bit in anticipation of the release of these new computers that apple uh announced uh in uh over the summer and so we've known that this is coming and so a lot of the vendors have said okay well let's discount the stuff we have in order to um uh, clear out inventory because when the new stuff comes, a lot of people are going to not want to buy that. It's different enough because it's got different chips and stuff in it that it's not going to be like, you know, I don't care whether it's this year, you know, today or yesterday's computer. It's a computer. There hasn't been that much of a change in the last five years. For most people, when you buy a computer, if, if I told you the computer was designed five years ago, three years ago, or last year, or this year, you'd go, I don't care. Does it work? Does it boot up? Does it run Word? Yeah. Can I browse Will the I internet? Yeah, exactly. You know, can I can I get to Google Docs? I mean, if it does that, then I'm good. You know, which one's cheaper? You know, which which one has, you know, you know, and then peripherally, some people might say, well, which one looks like it's built better because, you know, I'm hard on equipment or something like that. Um, You know, that's one of the things that, you know, although Apple isn't um, isn't the cheapest always. Even their inexpensive computers are usually built really solidly, and you can count on five to seven years of solid day, daily use of hard work on them because they're engineered, you know, pretty solidly. Um, you know, and they, like everybody else, has had some machines that were, you know, a little buggy on the front end. Sometimes they, the first, especially the first versions of something, like when Apple starts selling these new uh, computers with the uh, Apple Silicon, the A chips in them. Um, I would uh, caution people, you know, I mean, if you need a new machine, go buy a new machine, go get it. But if you don't need a new machine, don't upgrade to that just because you can. Wait a little while because you never know. The first first one out the gate may have some little hiccups, you know, and Apple's usually pretty good about saying, okay, we, we screwed up here. Let us, you know, bring it back in and we'll fix it. Um, but 
you know, they're like everybody else. You know, you engineer these things to the best you can, and you've got lots of experience making laptops. They've been making them for years and years and years. Uh, but when you do something all, all brand new, you may find out that something that you had thought was going to be great when you scale it up to making, you know, a million of them uh, presented a problem. So, yep. you know, just like these new uh, uh, software upgrades that are supposed to be out today, I recommend most people don't do them. Don't do them right away. Um, if you have your phone or your iPad or your uh, any of your devices set to auto update, they, they probably won't update on the first day immediately anyway. Um, but I usually turn off auto update on, on my family's devices and then I update as soon as the update's available and play with it and watch the news. And then after a, you know, three, three to five days, I will then tell them, okay, it's probably safe to do. And I would say 99% of the time they're fine out of the gate, but Apple's human too. It's just made up of people. And, uh, you know, all these big corporations are just made up of people. And sometimes there's an unintended consequence of some update that you that nobody anticipated, right? And then you find out that, hey, this brand new software that does all this slickety doodah new stuff also happens to cause this other problem, which is absolutely <laughs> critical for your job, you know? And uh, that can be bad news. So, so you know, don't be in a huge rush is what I usually caution people. You know, let me do that for you and I'll, I'll be happy to then share here and on the radio show what my experiences were. And... Uh, and let people know how good things go. Now, yesterday during the Apple um, event, uh, I watched it live, and then we did the Generation Tech podcast with my dad right after. He watched it as well. So if you're um, listening to this, you can also check out Generation Tech podcast, which is also available at wakandabroadcasting.com and, uh, uh, or on your favorite podcasting app, uh, I happen to like Overcast, but there's the podcast app built into uh, iOS and iPadOS. Um, you can download it and listen to it anywhere. And we talk in more detail about about the event yesterday and what Apple did and didn't have to talk about. So, so I think it's really cool that you are are doing that podcast with your dad. You know, he is a he is a computer pioneer, having been. Uh, mm-hmm. a systems engineer from way back and yeah. um, uh, and it's literally a rocket scientist you know built the guidance helped build the guidance system it was part of the team that built the guidance system for our peacekeeper missiles when he was in the air force and mm-hmm. uh, later at TRW and so he yep. is a tech, a tech head from way back he is he is you know I grew up with this guy and I admire him greatly and uh you know, he's got a lot of great stories and he just has a different perspective. You know, he's somebody who has a history. I mean, I've been in the industry a long time. He's been in the industry even longer uh, dealing with technology. And uh, and so that's how we kind of decided it would be generation tech. You kind of get the perspective of a couple generations. And, you know, we're still hoping that possibly uh, your son, Alex, will join us. He works in the tech field. Um, but we we've also talked to some of his other grandchildren about possibly joining us just to get their perspective on technology, even though they're not necessarily in the field like uh, Alex is. Um, uh, he does yes, work in a government... Yet another systems engineer in the, in the, in the family. With, we with, uh, we do, yeah. Alex. Yeah, now he does work <laughs> in government contracting, as did my dad when he was um, uh, still working. He's retired now. And so as a result, you have to get okays from your employer before you go online and talk about things. And you have to... And there's certainly, obviously, there's things you can't talk about. Um, uh, but what we talk about is mostly, you know, commercial stuff. It's nothing... nothing uh, that would be out of uh, 
out of reach for him to talk about. So we'll see if he ever gets to join us. It would be, it'd be fun. That would but, be fun. Uh, yeah, but then so Generation I, Tech covers three generations, which would be awesome. Which would be awesome. So I um, I have, this is breaking news. Uh, the mm-hmm. Big Ten has reversed their opinion, and they're going to be starting their football season this autumn. Wow. So That's yeah. interesting. That's interesting. They're, they're watching what the other guys are doing and saying we're missing out on money. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and just... You know, there, there's something to be said for the mental health. Yes, we've been shut down and COVID could have been worse and yada, yada. But suicide attempts have have skyrocketed. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's an, like I've said before, there's an opportunity cost with each one of these decisions. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that was it for, for for the Big Ten, but they did make the decision that, that they believe that their best option is to get back and play some football. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, well... There's been several people who've made that point that you know it's like, you know that that uh, depression and 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 suicides are a cost of the lockdown as well, and so yes. you need to look at the the bigger picture and say what is the overall cost to us as a society of making these choices. So, so the Big you know. Ten councils uh, Council of Presidents and Chancellors adopted significant medical protocols, and they voted unanimously to resume football season it'll start the weekend of october 23rd and 24th um according to a conference statement um so they'll have daily testing for players and team staff starting on september 30th and um and each university is to appoint an infection officer to oversee the testing so some of the other safety measures are any player who tests positive for the coronavirus will be sidelined for 21 days Players who test positive must most must also go, sorry, must also undergo comprehensive cardiac testing before getting back on the field. I if like that. I do too. If That's the first I've heard of something like that. A positive test rate tops five percent. All of its practices in this games will stop for at least seven days. Uh, the data we are going to collect from testing and cardiac registry registry will provide major contributions for all. 14 Big Ten institutions as they study the COVID-19 and attempt to mitigate the spread of the disease among wider communities. And so, um, and, and I don't know all of the um, Big Ten schools, but a lot of them have medical schools. And so, um, you know, I, I assume that, you know, that, that there's there's a research component to this and that there's, you know, with the with the resources they have at hand that, you um, that this they're going to be able to keep this under control so we'll see yeah yeah well time will tell clearly they think they can and like i said i think that they probably looked at um the dollars and cents going to those that are playing and saying you know they seem to be doing okay let's do this because they've had now two weeks of games on saturdays with certain colleges it's not been obviously like it normally is in the fall um you know, and they seem to be doing okay so far. Now, I think it, you know, two weeks is maybe a little early because that seems to be there seems to be a lag of three to four weeks when you start seeing bounces in numbers. You know, after yes. there's been like an event or something in an area, so I think maybe they're a little early on that. But but like you said, you got to weigh the 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 pros and cons of the entire uh, ecosystem and say you know what makes sense for us. So um, yeah, we'll see what happens as this all plays out. And, uh, 
You know, I, I have a friend who teaches in the Garden Grove School District, and she was informed yesterday that they are to go back to school at the beginning of October in, in oh, online. So, well, the teachers are kind of upset about it because they're saying that we should just finish out the semester before we make the change, that it's a fairly significant change for them. And the way they're going to divide well, the classes true. up, the way they divide the classes up when they go back on, on, on ground is that they're only going to see students once or twice a week, which means that they then need to provide them with basically asynchronous work to do on the days that they don't see them. And then they won't be available to them during those days because they'll be busy teaching in class to the other half of students. So they won't be able to do like what they're doing now, online teaching and be available to their students. And so oh, they, the, my goodness. the integration oh. or time with students actually is going to be cut in half. Uh, and they're upset about that. They're saying, you know, if you're going to put us back on ground, then let us see our students regularly so that we can actually teach them. And if you're not going to do that, then we shouldn't go back to ground. Well, and I kind of think they have a point. Prepping. Yeah, yeah. So because they're doubling the amount of work that they have to do. They're forcing kids to go to asynchronous education for part of it instead of being having having access to a teacher. And I think that's kind of a bad idea. So I, I suspect that the union is going to step in and say, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold my beer. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think there's going to be some conversations about that. The the school board has put forth a plan, um, but you know, like everything, it's a negotiation amongst human beings who are going to say, "Wait a minute, now we're we're the professional teachers here, and what you're suggesting doesn't make sense educationally." Um, so I think there will be some modifications on that, but we'll see. Um, some you know, keep school an eye. districts don't don't really they they'll negotiate with their teachers for their contract. But yeah. they don't seem to consult their teachers. They don't seem to have conversations right. with their professional educational staff. And it's like, what are Very you doing? Very contentious. Very contentious. Yeah. Especially when you're making direct uh, uh, educational decisions, right? Yes. I just don't understand it. Yeah, you know? I don't either. I, and other districts, they, they they really do try to engage their all yeah. of their staff in their decision-making. Um, and... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't understand districts that don't. I, yeah. I really don't. Well, I tend to be kind of a conservative person and, and, and am not a huge fan of unions, but I absolutely believe there are situations when they need them. And I think that the teachers uh, need the, need unions to otherwise. I, I've seen the way, you know, schools treat their employees otherwise. And I think that, you know, that they need to have unions. But I think that sometimes the unions set up a contentious relationship with the school district such that the district feels like the union doesn't care about education any more than than anybody else they just want to do whatever they can to get more money and less work for their teachers right. and and so sometimes the union relationship gets in the way of a good educational relationship in that instance but i absolutely believe that teachers without a union would be uh, we'd see a revolving door of teachers they would just be hiring and firing people right and left anytime a teacher got any kind of experience and was better paid, they would be replaced by somebody fresh out of school. Uh, and you see that in a lot of private schools. You'll notice that their faculty is usually, although sometimes very well-educated, also very young and, and inexperienced because as they become more experienced, you have to pay them more. And when you have to pay them more, then you move them out for somebody who's cheaper because that makes or, expenses balance better. Or the people who have some experience then can get a job that pays better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Either you pay them better or somebody else will. And yes. that's, yeah. And so, um, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's the marketplace. That's what it is. You have to, you know, work the marketplace. 
but I think that you know having some some uh, collective bargaining is not necessarily a bad thing there in that situation. But anyway, we'll see what boils out. Because I've got a friend in the district, I'll keep an eye on what's going on in the Orange County uh, or in the Garden Grove School District uh, in Orange County. And then um, uh, uh, I also pay attention to what's happening in the uh, uh, Orange Unified School District because uh, my swim team uses facilities in that area. So I'm keenly aware of their uh, when they're going back to school and uh, and what uh, what they're doing because I'm hoping that they're going to say they will make facilities available for my program at some point here, not too distant future. So we'll see. So there is some interesting news out of Louisville. Um, apparently, uh, this is Kentucky. Obviously, uh, they have Louisville's paid... in Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> they're paying twelve million dollars to Brianna Taylor's family. Yeah. And they promise to overhaul police operations, um, and that's part of as part of the settlement. The city is also pledging to institute several police reforms, such as requiring a supervisor to sign off on search warrants and pairing the social worker with the police officer on some calls. Now, that one to me mm-hmm. is a no-brainer. Pair up those social workers, honestly. Yeah, that just seems um, like something that everybody should be doing and taking some of that that pressure and load off of police officers because. We're asking them to do stuff that is outside the realm of their training. Yes. So, um, uh, and some people apparently are surprised by this, this settlement, given it's in the early stage of the investigation. But I think, I think they did it for a lot of reasons. There's an optical, you know, there's the optics of it. There's the fact that the, the police officers, from on a procedure standpoint, may not have done anything wrong. The warrant. There's been a lot of rumors, but from what I understand. The warrant was actually for her house. Um, mm-hmm. She was she was connected to this drug dealer that they were working were looking for, or they already had him. But they were the, the warrant was for information. They wanted to search the house. They weren't looking mm-hmm. for for this drug dealer. But apparently, there the two of them knew each other, and there was some sort of connection between Brianna Taylor and this mm-hmm. this guy. But but having said that, she was an unarmed person in her home, and she was and she was killed. Now, yeah, I just don't you know. like the idea of the no-knock warrants. I mean, those should be so, so rare because, you know, anybody would react violently to somebody bursting into their house without a knock or without identifying themselves. So, and I've and heard stories that they did knock. Well, whether they knocked on it, whether they even if they came in and said, we're the police, do you think bad guys can't break into a place and yell, we're the police to get you to hesitate for a second while they shoot you? Well, certainly they could. People bursting into my house shouting at me with guns drawn, I'm going to react defensively. You know? All right. That's... So, but, but then that means, for, by that account, the police have to knock on the door and wait patiently outside for, you know, for the, I mean, that, for the bad guy to let them in, right? I mean, so that's not, I mean, there, there's a reason why they do these warrants with their surprise because they don't want people destroying evidence. Yeah, and I think that they, if quite frankly, what they should be doing is they're not allowed to do a no-knock warrant unless they have verification that that uh, the people inside uh, have ill intent, that they have like visual confirmation that who they're looking for is in the house, that they know that they're at the right location. So, you know, I mean, we, we, we've all seen things, and I've seen cameras on the end of a stick. They can slide it under the door and look in the house to see who's in there, what they're doing. Um, I think that they need to spend more time surveilling before they just show up with guns blazing and punch through doors. Okay. That's just my feeling because, you know, 
I, I'm just thinking like, you know, I'm sitting at home, you know, or I'm sitting here now on the radio. If somebody busts through the door screaming, now, of course, I'm in a shack that's, you know, eight foot by 10 foot. So, um, you know, I have nowhere to go. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I mean, I, how would I react? You know, how do I react if somebody comes busting through my door somewhere if I'm sitting, you know, watching television in the evening? Um, and, you know, I don't know that I would react any differently than, than um, well, I mean, she didn't. She apparently was just sitting there. It was her boyfriend that had a gun and started shooting back at them. Yes, um, but I, that doesn't surprise me, you know, until you know who's there and what's going on. I, I'm not at all surprised based on the way that works. So I don't know. There's no perfect answer here because you want the police to be safe and doing their job as well. But, you know, from the perspective of somebody just sitting at home, people bust in and suddenly have guns drawn shouting. Um, the fact that, you know, those guns might not go off would be more of a shock to me than than if somebody got shot. Yep. Yep. Well, so evidently the, the they figured that they needed to settle sooner rather than later. And so they have settled yeah. for uh, $12 million, uh, mm-hmm. which is it's a pretty hefty settlement. It is. It is. You know, I mean, it doesn't replace a family member, but, um, um, you know, it, I, I, it'd be interesting to see what their family ends up doing with that money you know I would like to see you know obviously it's their money they can do what they want with it and live the life they want to live but um, you know it'd be nice if some of that money were to go towards some some funds to uh, to lobby for some of the changes like having a, a, a social worker with police when they're on domestic disturbance calls and things like that so Cardi B has filed for divorce <laughs> I know that you care about this so deeply. Yeah, so, I was trying to think of a, of a not so snarky way of saying, and I care why. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing about it that's so, that to me, that's so funny. She cited infidelity as <laughs> um, as the reason. The woman who came out with WAP, WAP, is upset that her that her husband, who's also a rapper, um, the rapper name is Offset. His name is Kiari Kendrell Cephas, um, uh, but that that he apparently was stepping out on the marriage. I'm like, well, yeah, no. uh, yeah, okay, I don't feel sorry for you. I really don't. I, you know, you're you're somebody who who Living makes a lot la of money. Boca vida. Ex, um, uh, uh, yeah. He make a lot of money. Yeah, they're essentially sex workers. <laughs> ex- essentially, yes. Yeah, sorry, when you said la vida loca, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, so, sorry. <laughs> um, total t- squirrel. Anyway, so there's a, she's essentially a sex worker. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that his, I imagine he's probably got a raunchy show too. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So U.S. Customs and Border Protection this weekend tweeted out very proudly that they had seized 2,000 counterfeit Apple AirPod earbuds from Hong Kong that were destined uh, for Nevada at an air cargo facility. They uh, wrote a press release saying that the merchandise, if it were genuine, would have been worth $398,000. And uh, they were correct in that they came from Hong Kong, uh, but they were a little mistaken in that they were clearly packaged and sold by a company called OnePlus that sells phones and accessories. These were, were not cloned airpods but one plus buds 
And yeah, they kind of look like AirPods, but it says right on the box, OnePlus Buds. It doesn't say AirPod or, or you know, anything that makes you think that they're uh, stealing it. They basically are, 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 are counterfeiting. Uh, they basically confiscated a, a, a completely legitimate shipment of OnePlus Buds being sent to the United States for sale. <laughs> oh my gosh, whoops. Yes, and the company OnePlus uh, took it in stride. They... they um, they responded um, basically by saying, um, you know, that uh, we uh, appreciate their vigilance and we'd like our $168,000 worth of equipment back, please. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. you know what? Anybody ever heard of them? This, is, this might be some great uh, publicity for that, yeah. right? They're well known in the in the tech industry because they make uh, affordable high-end phones. So their their high-end phone is basically equivalent to the top-end iPhone or top-end uh, Samsung phone. Uh, their top-end phone, the most recent one's called the, the OnePlus Nord. Now, Nord, I mean, that must be a... It must have some Chinese translation that makes more sense than it does for us in English. But well, anyway, they have the Nord. It's $450, and yet it's feature-for-feature feature, um, similar to the, the $1,000 uh, Samsungs. And so... Oh. When you say Nord, that's the that's the Norwegian word for North. That's not an English word at all. Yeah. And maybe that's what they were going with, you know? I mean, they're, you know, they're in China, they're selling in the U.S., and they're using, you know, Norwegian naming. I don't, you know... <laughs> Why not? It's it's a it's a big it's a world. global brand. Yeah, it is. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was pretty funny that uh, they uh, the um, after a request for comment, the uh, CBP uh, that would be the Customs and Border Patrol uh, offered no comment. Huh. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, Oops. Oops. Whoops. You know, I mean, it's one thing that you you seized it, but the fact that you seized it made an, uh, a press release and and uh, made a big deal about it and touted it to the world uh, has um, <laughs> has kind of put you know their foot in their mouth. So, a country has Barbados is shedding its colonial skin. Uh, and they have they have they're moving finally from a constitutional monarchy under the crown of England to um, uh, being their own republic. So they're booting the crown out, ditching the queen, huh? Well, you know, after her kids were well, it was it her one of her sons was involved with the uh, rape island. Um, yes, it's like yeah, okay, we're Randy, we're Andy, Prince Andrew. Yeah, we're done with these folks. Yes. We'll just so, uh, distance our. Yeah. We're going to socially distance ourselves from <laughs> the crown. So yeah. Um, so Mauritius was the last country to remove the queen as its head of state uh, yeah. in 1992. So this is. Uh, it's been a while since that's been done. And uh, what is that? Is, do you, Do you have any idea what does that actually like do to? I mean, in the day to day lives of of. It probably them, affects or, their currency. It affects. Uh-huh. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, know I don't. Canada, for example, uh-huh. the Queen can dissolve Canada's Parliament, and she's done it in in our lifetime. She's done it. Uh-huh. So, um, interesting. You know, there are powers there, right? Yeah, that, I just didn't know what they are. You know, like if you're part of the of the Commonwealth, right? That's generally like like Canada is part of the the Commonwealth. 
So yeah, what is what does that mean? But you're right. I didn't even think about that. It probably has some taxes that go back to the to the uh, home country there, right? Yes. Yes. Some fees. Okay. Can I just tell you? I know we're about to. We're, our show's about to be over. Uh-huh. This guy in this Honda Accord. I'm, I'm sitting outside. I need to get cat food, so I'm sitting outside this Stater Brothers, and uh, grocery store, and um, he's in a Honda Accord, and he's taking up. He just pulled in. There's parking spaces open. He pulled. He's taking four with his Honda Accord. Four parking spaces. The way he pulled in. So and when you get like, out, walk by and key the side of the stupid car. <laughs> I'm like, dude. People who do that deserve spaces. it. It's a Honda. We're not talking anything. It's not a Lamborghini you're trying to protect yeah, from a dam. Yeah, or a ding. dually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's that's 14 miles long. It's it's a Honda. Yeah. Honda. That's- it's a Honda Accord. What's that? You know, anyway, like Seinfeld just, used to say, Newman. You go, Honda. Exactly. You want yeah. to knock, out the, knock, knock on the window and be like, dude, what are you doing? Honda. <laughs> he's probably just dinking around on his iPhone and he's going to pull out in a second. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so like I wanted that, to pull over. He's probably being safe, right? He's not checking his phone while he's driving. He pulled over very quickly to check his phone. Let's Let's take the positive. We'll take the high road here. And you can still key the car if you want. So with that, it is time for... We're at the end of our show, actually. Now's the time to say goodbye. Really? Sure. Good night. So thank you for joining us, everybody. I'm Erin Brinker. And I'm Todd Brinker. Have a wonderful day. See you tomorrow. Thank you.